This is the Boring Sports Podcast, where four lifelong friends discuss sports for no apparent reason. Hey, welcome back to another great episode of the Boring Sports Podcast. Uh, We have a lot of big items to talk about tonight. I, I sure hope we talk about our Utah Jazz. I hope we talk about Rudy Gobert. I really hope we talk about Coach K. Before we jump into any of those things, though, I've got a serious question for the four of us, the three of you. Um, can we all agree that donuts are, are pretty delicious? Love a good donut. Not a very good I'm not a huge that? guy. More of an eclair guy. You're an eclair guy. Well, you're the kind of guy that goes to Maui, so that makes sense. That's actually not surprising that Adams is an eclair guy. Uh is Adams an eclair guy? No, I didn't say that. No, no Nils said, Nils said that. that. No. Nils is You're the eclair guy. Nils is, also the guy that, Nils is also the guy that uh, measures his time by Maui time. So I do. I do. But, hey, Josie, the reason that Adam's screen was up is because his chomping on that whatever it is, I think it's a peep. It's a peep. Who's louder than my talking? I don't like peeps. It's no. like. Uh, there's a handful that come to mind here's my question though here's my question i don't want to get out in the weeds with peeps anything like that um when it comes to donuts this has been an ongoing uh, argument with my wife and i old-fashioned donuts i like old-fashioned donuts just like the next guy there was one time when she was pregnant up in alaska they don't have very many donut options as you can imagine. And uh, she bought some old fashioned donuts and I was excited about it. And I bit into it and it was just not good. And I, I didn't know what the situation was, why it wasn't good because old fashioned donuts typically are delicious. Turns right. out she bought sour cream donuts. Not- Have you ever had sour cream donuts? No, but that's what I was going to say is we're painting with broad strokes here. We can't just say donuts are good or bad. There's good donuts, there's bad donuts. Yeah. And I don't know what an old-fashioned donut is. Are you talking about a glazed donut? No, an old-fashioned is more like a more cakey, like a elder. If um, anyone should know an old-fashioned donut, it's your town. They probably only make old-fashioned donuts. Hey, just so you know, we have great donuts at Gigi's Market in Monroe. And the guy that makes them, he wakes up at like 3 a.m. to make them because by 6 a.m. he has to go to work as a concrete contract as a concrete laborer which is his day job. He's got to make the donuts and get pouring concrete. He does the donuts. You're trusting, of the donuts. You're trusting your donuts to a concrete guy? He makes an incredible donut. There's no doubt. He makes a good donut. Mm, that has well, me nervous. Is he not making enough as a concrete guy that he feels like he has to do something on the side? Or is he just love the donuts so much? I'm nervous, to, I'm nervous to answer this because our viewership is so broad that I mean, he could be a listener, and I don't want to offend him, but yeah. I, I think that he's a little bit, a little bit slower mentally, if you know what I mean. And you know, he, he enjoys making the donuts in the morning. How, what, you don't well, have to go into the details. Just say it's a labor of love. Leave it so, at that. Elder, I want to just get. I want to make sure I'm I'm on the right track here. Not that there's anything wrong with it at all. But you have a a special education uh, 
someone unlike ourselves is making your donuts. I would say he's a lot like ourselves based on what you were trying to reference. And, and pouring your concrete. Yeah, pouring <laughs> concrete. Yeah, he does. He works. So he's just a laborer. He works for one of my concrete contractors that I use as a laborer. So he does finish concrete, yes. That makes a great donut. And he's your go-to guy for a donut, huh? And what's amazing is he picks two early morning jobs. Like you got to make the donuts early and concrete is normally poured early. You think he'd pick an evening job, but no. I think what's amazing is he has two completely different skill sets and apparently succeeds in both. Yes. Yes. Do you, do you trust him? Would you trust him to do the concrete work at your home? Well, let me tell you this. When you come down to my home and see my concrete work when my house is done and you play in the three on three, we will go get a donut from Gigi's and you can judge for yourself. Well, that doesn't answer my question. Do, would you trust him to do the concrete at your home? He's doing it. That's what I'm saying. Oh, he is. Okay. I, I All just right. Said, come see the concrete at my home. Okay. All right. It's all there. So let's get, let's get back to the topic at hand. Sour cream donuts. What are your thoughts? I like them. Really? I, I love donuts. I, I, I'm under the, there's very few bad donuts. I've never had a sour cream donut ever. Count your blessings. It's basically just a glazed donut. Yeah, it's got more of like a tinge of sour. I mean, it makes sense. It's sour cream. It's just kind of sour. Like it doesn't have the, I like, if I'm going to have a donut, I want it to be just nice, sweet, delicious. I don't want like. Is the sour cream like substituted for something different? Like are they, are they like, you know, we're not going to put sugar in here and put sour cream instead. Is that how it works? Or they're just adding sour cream additionally to all the regular donut ingredients that's a good question we're speaking as though we know the normal ingredients for a regular donut well we're hoping you your boy nails as the guy that eats every time we were hoping that you would know adams <laughs> i know i i taste a hint of sugar in a crispy cream donut i'm picking up on on some sugar um that's about as far as i can get <laughs> do you, adams are you the guy that if the hot and ready whatever um donut sign is on at Krispy Kreme that you're driving in that drive-thru whipping right in there uh yeah but not for the free one I'm, I'm probably door dashing two dozen to the office so if the hot and ready signs on you're getting them yeah nice I'm not gonna respect that um well it sounds like no one has a real strong opinion on this so uh let's just let's just move this along they're not that good, though. I'm just going to say that. Okay. What did you say? I thought we got a lot accomplished in that segment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I agree. Um, well, I don't know if we're mixing things up a little bit. Typically, we're going to move over to Nils. Uh, do we still want to do that um, right now, or do we want to jump into I know Adams has a uh, presentation of sorts. You're the, you're the host. You, you got that. To pick a topic for the podcast, and you are currently searching for sports headlines during the sounder. You may not live in an area with high-speed internet, but let's be honest, you wouldn't have read the whole article anyway. So sit back, relax, and get ready for the latest in sports news, possibly true information, and some other stuff you didn't want to know. All right. Um, I've got three headlines today that I'm going to read and talk about. 
they're all NBA because there's really nothing else. Nobody cares about the NFL draft and nobody cares about any of the baseball or anything else that's going on. Um, is baseball even going on right now? I think so. I don't know. Uh, yeah, it just started last week. You what? It just started last week, sadly. Oh, there you go. Yeah, see, how little I know. Um, so Celtics rally and beat the Nets again. That's the headline. Celtics rally and beat the Nets again. I mean, we're thinking Kyrie and and they're going to get it done. They can't get it done. Can't beat the Celtics. So uh, this question is for Scott. Uh, yeah. Knowing that in mind that the Celtics beat the Nets two times in a, in a row, my question for you is knowing that you're sitting on a bathtub right now, that you've done this podcast in a bathtub, how, I just, how far are you willing to go? Would you, if there was a bathtub courtside at the Celtics game, would you sit in a bathtub during the game courtside? And keep in mind that the Celtics are up to nothing in the series. <laughs> Would you? Would you do a bathtub courtside? Is that well? If, if they're up 2-0, I might just because it's like, well, if it was Game Seven, I would not sit in a bathtub. At you would courtside, which is a weird. It's a weird question to begin with. Um, but if we're up 2-0, I can relax a little bit, um, and I think I would. I think I would enjoy sitting in a bathtub because um, it's nice to have a nice, comfortable, warm bath. Would like you I said, if it was Game. Oh, go ahead. Would you ever worry, though, that like um, being a big Celtics fan, Marcus Smart fan that you are, say that Marcus drills like a half court three or something? Would you ever worry? Oh, that's about, a terrible. Like, that's a terrible maturity? example. Yeah. Marcus is not making half court shots. Hey, I'm asking the question here. Thank you. Thank you. Wait. So, what was your question? You, you kind of. Say something crazy happens, so you stand up to cheer. And you're in a bathtub, so you're nude, obviously, under the bubbles. Yeah. You stand up and cheer, yeah, and now you're standing nude in front of everybody in the arena. Would you worry about that? Um, first off, you're, the scenario is very unrealistic. Number no, one, how realistic no, is it that I'd be bat in a bathtub courtside? But Joe brings up a good point. How realistic is it that Marcus Smart's going to hit a, a half-court shot? Neither one is, is realistic. Now – I'd like to pose a more realistic scenario. I was just gonna say, I just, I just, it just jogged my memory. What like I just registered Nils's question, and was like, I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's a weird. I'm with you, Joe. It's a weird question. Um, I think it's a phenomenal question. You're um, you going to sit in the bathtub during a podcast. Why would you not be willing to sit hey, in a bathtub during the game? Stadium, right? AT&T Stadium, they got hot tubs in the end zone. Yeah. Okay. We're more of a, we're getting more realistic now. Scott, would you sit in a hot tub at an NFL game, swimsuit only? Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no question. Especially if it's a hot tub. If it was like an ice bath, then we have a whole George Costanza in you know, situation going on, and I would not stand up and cheer. And did you say swimsuit only? Yeah. That's almost like a fun, like, you call into radio stations to win that opportunity. Well, I agree. I just think, knowing Scott, that he would have reservations. No, no reservations. Unless, like I said, unless it was a George Costanza incident or situation where uh, it was like a nice tub. You know, gotta be 
Got to be careful there. You're alluding to the shrinkage episode. Well, yeah. Yeah, I caught that. swimsuit. Yeah. Well. Episode. Um, Thanks for the question, though, Nils. You're welcome. Mo- moving on. Uh, next NBA news that's going on right now. I got to look at my notes here. Okay, Josie, this question is going to be for you in this headline. <laughs> look at his notes. I like that. I got notes. Hey, uh, so there was a spat. I don't know if you know this. In the Denver Nuggets uh, game against the Golden State Warriors, there was a spat and some mouthing off between DeMarcus Cousins and Will Barton. Were you familiar with this situation? I am. So my question to you is, one, tell us who do you think would win in a fight between Cousins and Barton. Two, which player do you think deserves to be mouthing off to the other one more or less? And three, if there was a dispute between two of us uh, that were mouthing off at each other, who is it most likely to be and who's most likely to win? Um, I would feel that the mouthing off would probably be between myself and Adams because I feel like we are most vocal about our opinions. Um, more than likely, I would win. Um, you going to take that, Adams? Like a make-a-wish thing? or <laughs> yeah, You know, see, I, I don't make wishes. I grant wishes, Elder. So, you know, that's, that's how I go about things. Um, and I'll just, I'll just answer your other two questions with this. I could not have been more thrilled when DeMarcus Cousins tore his ACL and then came back and tore his Achilles and missed out on a super max contract. Only two more deserving people for that to happen to in the NBA, and it's oddly happened to one of them. I hate DeMarcus Cousins. I hope he gets cut after this year. I hope he never plays for another team again. I don't like I don't necessarily like George Carl either, so don't get me started there. I don't even know Will Barton. I know who he is. I know of him. I'm not interested in Will Barton, but I'm certainly not interested in DeMarcus Cousins. And all I hope in that spat, Will Barton said, like, DeMarcus, you likely won't even be in the league next year. So thanks for your three games this year and your 12 minutes, but your time's done. Hope your Achilles is all right. Rest in peace. Strong opinion. No, I like DeMarcus. I blame him for the downfall of Jimmer in Sacramento. <laughs> I'm, I'm holding on to that still. Oh, are, you, are you a big Jimmer fan? DeMarcus Cousins, that he would steal the rookies per diem on the, on the team plane? Like, he he like, did? Like an elementary school bully? Just, you know, <laughs> like, it just, I just – I hate how much everyone loved Isaiah Thomas – and I can just see him and DeMarcus bullying Jimmer in the locker room. And it, A, makes me sad. And B, I just, I hate Isaiah. That's the other person who I'm glad is thrilled is just struggling in the league. I hate, I, you would think I'd have sympathy for Isaiah Thomas being a, a short statured man that he is. Um, I, I couldn't be more thrilled that he has had a rock career. It's like, you know what, Isaiah, I'm sorry your sister died. No one asked you to play in game three. I'm sorry you had a bad hip. Get the surgery, rest up, and come back. I don't understand how a guy can get a hip surgery and his career is completely derailed. That, to me, is a mental problem, not a physical problem. And I'm not interested in the game of mental illness when it comes to basketball. You get on the court, you play basketball, you take your meds, and you're fine. (laughs) Hey, Joe, could you just – can you tell us how you really feel about that? Yeah, I, 
Let's, on, on that topic, a sensitive topic, I understand, but is that why Ben Simmons is still out, or has he got like a different physical ailment now? See, I appreciate Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons what? knows he's in a bad spot because, and like, my problem is like, I'm going to use Kevin Love as an example. The man is a bench player now, and all of a sudden he has mental illness issues. Like, I'm a believer in mental illness. I know they're a real thing. Sure, they're a serious problem, but I feel like a guy like Kevin Love, he's using them as an excuse for being a terrible player now. Ben Simmons, who knows what his deal is? He probably has mental illnesses. No, but Ben Simmons said he wanted to be traded. They wouldn't trade him, so he didn't show up to practice. They stopped paying him, so he shows up one day with a bad attitude. They kick him out of practice, say, we're not going to pay you anymore. And then he's like, well, I have mental health problems, so I have an injury. Yeah, how do you win that? How do you win that fight? Like, you can't even say anything or Ben's going to sue you. <laughs> I know. That's uh, they are suing. <laughs> well, I don't know if it's technically suing, but they're – they're uh, they're going after the Sixers, going after that twenty mil. My my hat's off to the Sixers for like sticky. Ben says I want to trade, and the Daryl just said I'm not trading you. You can I don't care if you show up all year. We're not going to pay you. We're not going to trade you until we get someone we want. All these teams cater and just get nine hundred second round draft picks that amount to nothing. And he actually got a decent piece. I mean Harden, I think he's a shell of himself at this point, but. He's better than Talon Horton Tucker from the Lakers. Yeah, yeah I agree. I agree. I, I, I'm surprised you're a Ben Simmons fan. I would think that. Uh, oh, no, 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 no. I hate Ben Simmons. I'm glad, that, I'm glad ben he's Simmons. hurt his back. I'm glad the Sixers didn't pay him. Okay, I you don't you never played another game. Ben Simmons. I appreciate Ben for sticking it to the Sixers. And like he's a man of his word. Usually when they start withholding millions, the player returns. This guy gave up 19 million bucks. Well, okay. Still- All right. That's fair. Okay, my, my final question, uh, as you guys all seen and know, this is for you, Adams. Uh, we now now injured um, Suns player. Devin Booker is his name, Elder. That's what you're Devin looking Booker. for. Devin Booker, struggling here. Devin Booker injured. Alpha Elder, game. you're even referring to notes and you're forgetting names. <laughs> oh, I'm struggling. I, it's hard to read my notes. I have like doctor's handwriting. It's hard to read my note. Booker, Booker, Booker's out, likely for game three and four. Who's more detrimental to their team, Booker for the Suns or Doncic for the Mavericks? Who's more important to their team? Yeah, like what's more detrimental? Like who's the bigger loss? Well, I, well, I would have said Doncic until the fourth quarter of uh, game two because Jazz, they figured out that Jazz can't stay in front of anybody. And if you can put – you just take your fifth-best shooter and put him in the corner, and if he can hit half of his open corner threes, then you're going to win the game. So they've kind of figured that one out. So Doncic isn't that big a deal right now, but with the Suns being in a series against the Pelicans, I don't think they really need Ben Simmons. But if we were to fast-forward to round two – Not Ben Simmons, Devin Booker. I would say in a, in a round two scenario, I would say that Devin Booker would be less important to the Suns than – uh, Doncic is to the Mavericks. Mostly yeah. because I think Chris Paul can, can. The Suns did lose. Booker Booker was injured, and, and the Suns did lose. So did the Mavericks in game one. So. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, I think the problem is a lot bigger than Doncic if Jalen Brunson is scoring 41 points on you in a game. Yeah, that's clear. 
I think agree. Luca's the least of the Jazz's worries at this point. Yeah. And then Adams alluded to that clearly. I mean, that's that's an issue. So, well, can, can we just take a little bit of time and, and talk? And I I know that we've got things to to talk about, but can we just try and figure out how the Jazz can solve their defensive woes real quick? Uh, I, Elder, of people defensively. We tout Royce O'Neal as this great defender, and he allows Jalen Brunson to get forty points a game. I, it wasn't it wasn't Royce O'Neal on him when he was going off. It was Donovan and Mike. Yeah, Donovan. Donovan. I think everyone's praising Donovan, and I think Donovan's struggling defensively. Is a major problem that we have. Donovan and Mike can't stand. Neither can JC. Like we on on offense, the Jazz find Bertons and they get him in a pick and roll. They switch it and then they isolate Bertons and go after him, which is great. But they don't even have to run a screen on the Jazz on the other side. They just, whoever they want, whoever Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, or, or Jordan Clarkson is guarding, they just spread the floor and just beat him off the dribble and then kick it to the corner when Rudy comes to save the day. You think the coaches can be blunt and say like, Mike, Don, you allowed Jalen Brunson to score 40 points. Like, you've got to stay in front of your guy. Or do you think they're more careful because they're nervous? I don't think at this point they're too careful with him. I don't know. But Mike, I mean, Mike Conley's smart enough to know. I mean, I heard an interview with him. He's just like, I mean, he said it as much. He's like, I got to do a better job of staying in front of my guy. Um, but I don't know. Donovan feels like he wants to He's wants to make sure he scores 35. He's less worried Did about you see that. some of the shots he took that game? Yeah, it's just brutal. It was more efficient percentage-wise, but I was surprised when I saw that because there were some bad shots that he took. I I take a little bit of consolation in the fact that I don't think that Jalen Brunson shoots that good again. I don't think that Maxi Kleba shoots that good again. It's all – Everybody's saying Jalen Brunson goes 40. Yeah, Jalen Brunson got 40. But he's doing it out of the mid-range. He's taking a ton of shots. It's the Maxi Kleber going eight for ten from three. Yeah, he was unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it, it's just he couldn't do it again. He's, he's probably not going to do it again. My – Put. I don't know. We, we're, putting, we're putting Rudy in an impossible position to where he's, he's trying to defend the, the hoop and protect the paint, and then he has to run 18 feet out to defend a – but, guy that's wide open in the corner. Well, I mean, what I find interesting is not long ago we had like the um, Jazz team were really, you know, we were strong defensively with Ricky, Ricky Rubio, you know, on the team we had and Jay Crowder. And we complained about we need shooting, we need shooting, we need shooting. Now we have shooting galore. Now we don't have defense. Like it just shows how hard it is to get a player that's good at both, that's a good defender and a good offensive player in the league. What kills me is everybody griping on Quinn Snyder. Like I, what do you want <coughs> – Snyder to do like I don't I don't understand the like he finally switched and he put uh, Rudy on Dorian Finney-Smith and then they just moved him to the corner I mean what it, whoever Rudy guards is going to go straight to the corner no matter what and they're going to go five out so Rudy has to either go guard that guy in the corner or protect the paint and he can't do and it's, it. he can't it's unfortunate that they don't help Rudy like Rudy helps them by running out to get the guy at the three Yet he has to man the paint by himself, and no one even threatens to go in on him. Yet as soon as he leaves, they either hit a wide open three or drive it in, and no one can stop him, and then they all get mad at Rudy. Yeah. 
I mean, it's, it's what they, I mean, if you watch, it's the same thing the Clippers did. They, they isolate that corner that Rudy's in. So there's no one over there to help into the corner. So they'll run like a high screen and roll with the other two guys, put a guy in the weak side corner and a guy at the wing in the corner of the strong side. So everybody's loaded onto that side opposite Rudy. They get dribble penetration and Rudy comes all the way into the paint. There's no one over there to help. So it's like, you're just going to get a wide open three unless you can stay in front of your guy. I don't really know what suggestion to make. I was thinking my last year, I was thinking, well, Donovan was hobbled. Mike Conley was hobbled. Yeah. I can kind of understand why they were getting beat and it just, it just sucked. But this year, like, I don't, I don't get it. (laughs) In typical jazz fashion too, the jazz are going to lose this series. And so are the Suns. And we would have a, an ideal second-round matchup versus the Pelicans. And when I say ideal, I've accepted that any team the Jazz play, there will be one person that averages 40 a series on us. For some reason, the Jazz just let a man score 40 a game. I would much rather play the Pelicans than the Suns. And it's just the luck of Jazz fans that we don't want to play the Suns and they happen to lose and we can't win a, a Luka-less Dallas team. Led I think by Jalen Brunson. We still win the series. Did you see the New York people show up to the game? Yeah, what was up with that? I don't know. They claimed the same thing was going on with the Clippers management when Kawhi was playing in Toronto. Huh. Yeah, I don't know if they were there. I mean, I don't know if they were there for Brunson or Donovan or maybe both, but I think yeah, I heard they like Brunson a lot too. Yeah. What's that? I think they probably came away more excited about Brunson than they did Donovan. <laughs> I agree. All right. Um, any other questions? That's no? it. That's all I got. One question each. Oh, that was some good content. I didn't love the questions, but it <laughs> provided good content. Well, I thought the questions were wonderful to the content. So well, thank I, you. I know you did, but, you know, it's, you teach did. their own, I guess. Teach their own. And I was really curious. Like, was, some of those questions I'm very curious about. Like, you're, how far you were curious. You were curious about whether I would want to be naked in a tub courtside it didn't seem to bother you, you that every podcast, night. A, a national podcast viewed by millions yeah millions of people watching our youtube channel and yeah you then so i didn't know why i'd bother you in arena i yeah no i appreciate the question i i, I appreciate your honesty um adams let's turn the time over to you okay um going to give my uh, computer access right here to share my screen. I've got, I've got something prepared here. Well, I hope it's a video clip of a certain former coach. With a puppy? Did you see that video? I would be so insulted if my parting gift after 900 years of school was a puppy. I bet Coach K doesn't even like dogs. Man's best friend. No, he does. He loves dogs. He said right there he was really saddened when his other dog died. He have not been able yeah. to replace me. Well, I mean, what's he going to say on national TV? I love Michael Vick. Of course he's going to pretend like he likes dogs. <laughs> it's a ruse. <laughs> Can you guys see my screen by chance? Yeah, it's like a long, a long strip of white. Got to zoom in. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Sam versus Coach K. Okay. Hey, you're seeing it. <laughs> Oh, I see what you did there. Sam versus Coach K, facts versus faints. Interesting. 
I appreciate the fact that you put facts under my name, Fates under Coach K's. I did prepare this during March Madness a few weeks back. So um, just keep that in mind that this is, this is outdated information. It doesn't have any dogs, dog statistics. Okay. okay, so Joseph keeps saying, yeah, he's coached a billion years. Of course he's going to win a bunch of games, okay? And so we're not talking duration at all. We're talking strictly win percentage, okay? So here's the top winning percentages in college basketball history. In the 100 years of, of history, all two to 300 NCAA teams Coach K is number 17. So I did the math, and there's been, in the last 100 years, there's been 11,653 Division I head coaches. And Coach K has the 17th best winning percentage of all 11,653 coaches. That's in the top 99.85%. So, I mean, I don't know how we argue with the man's success, because when you're playing Division One schools, no one's ever heard of. It's not really that hard to rack up that many wins and still only be 17th. So he's he's in the ACC. He has to play the ACC teams. Sure, he plays ACC when it's time for conference play, but then he gets to make up whoever he wants. He might as well go play. Usually, the first game of the year is like Duke versus Kentucky on ESPN and some showdown. Sure, sure. Yeah, of course, they're going to give the fans what they want every now and then. But when you're playing. <laughs> I, I, I'm not impressed. I mean, he's number 17. Of 11,653. <laughs> See, why aren't we talking about Sam Burton or Mark Few or Claire B? I'll tell you why, because of these other statistics. All right, he just wins. All right. Coach K has 194 more wins than any other college basketball coach. He's a regular season coach. He's like a Peyton Manning. He's got a handful of championships and a bunch of regular season statistics that no one cares about. Okay, Jim. Adams, I, I got to break free. How, how much time did you invest into this PowerPoint presentation? Like I said before, I was not the biggest Coach K fan before we started doing this podcast. Since <laughs> I have become maybe his biggest fan. <laughs> this is quite the presentation. Like, Josie, you're going to have – I expect something out of you next week. Hey, just just for reference, he's so far in front of people with wins that Jim Beheim, the second place guy, would have to coach seven straight undefeated seasons to tie him, just to tie Coach K. That's how many wins he has. I mean, again, when you coach 90 years longer than the second place guy, you're going to naturally have more wins. <sighs> Okay. All right. I'm curious here. I'm going to look up and see when Jim Beheim started coaching. Okay, this the last time Coach K had a losing season. Now he's in the ACC. Ronald Reagan was president. The average price of gas was $1.16. Hubert Davis, the North Carolina coach that just beat him in the tournament, hadn't even begun high school yet. And Jim Beheim was in his seventh season at Syracuse. So that should show you how long Jim Beheim's been coaching. Nin 1976. Yeah, 1976 is when he started head coaching. Yeah. Is the most, 
He has the most 20 point or 20 plus win seasons of any coach in NCAA history. He passed John Wooden for the most final four appearances this year with 13. He has 97 NCAA tournament wins. And the next closest is 77. So he's 20 NCAA tournament wins ahead of anyone. That's like ridiculous. That would be like, this, you'd have to. Can, like, I, can, go I, ahead. can I interrupt real quick? Um, he started coaching. So he coached at Army um, before Duke. He started coaching about the exact same time as Jim Beheim. Thank you. They've had parallel paths. But yeah, Coach K has well, many more victories. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, most seasons ranked number one with 21, and most weeks ranked number one with 127. Josie, thoughts? Or are you preparing something? No, I mean, my immediate thought is John Wooden has five more titles than Coach K. <clears throat> um, so he's, he's won less games in the regular season, sure. But I would rather be a 500 playoff team and have a championship than a 20-win regular season team and a Sweet 16 exit. Interesting fact, when John Wood was coaching, there was only like, I think it's in here, but there 25 was, teams. There was, how many teams went to the tournament? 25. It was on your last clip. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Right. But, I mean, yeah, there we go. If So, we're, we're talking about only 25 teams. That means the 25 best teams are in there that Wooden's facing. Wooden didn't get the luxury of playing. Of having to play those first three rounds? Of having to play Sister Jean in the first round. Like that, you know, you take Sister Jean out of the element. Like, I think John Wooden would have been thrilled to play Sister Jean. I don't, I think it doesn't, it, it doesn't make your path to the championship easier if you have to play three extra games. Regardless of the opponent. If your first round matchup is is far Coach, superior than Sister Jean, it's Coach K it, has to get win three tournament games to get where John Wooden started in the tournament. I, but again, against the Sister Jeans of the world, Sister Jean is like older than Coach K. Okay, but they both end up playing the top twenty five teams at the end once they get to that round anyway. And John Wooden has the better record. More titles. He has the more titles, but not the more Final Four appearances. See, but what would you rather have, a title or a Final Four appearance? Okay, so are you saying Coach K is the second best coach of all time to John Wooden? No, I'm saying Coach K is the 17th best, apparently. <laughs> well, we're getting somewhere because he was garbage before. Now he's the same. Well, and it, it's interesting because Josie is talking about how winning percentage during the regular season doesn't really matter. Um, it's just titles, but then he says that he's the 17th best based solely on winning percentage. Great point, Scott. Right. So if it was more important, he would be number one, but because it's not that important, he drops all the way to 17. <laughs> okay. One of the points that Josie has made in the past is that, yeah, he should be good. He gets all the best players every year. Okay. So I did some research on this. And Duke does do very well recruiting-wise. There's no doubt about it. In fact, they average, since Coach K's been at Duke, they've averaged the seventh – well, actually, only since the data was available for the last 10 years. Um, they've had the seventh-best recruiting class. 
But in that same time period, they've had the fourth best record and the third best record of all major conference teams. So based on his recruiting class, he should finish seventh, yet he finishes fourth. Fourth in the regular season, sure. Fourth in final ranking. Right. I'm more I'm more interested in who has the number one final ranking, not the fourth. Okay, but you t- I'm, I'm, I'm strictly talking about your point of he gets the best players every year. He gets the seventh best players every year, and he finishes fourth. See, I just I, – I don't agree. Maybe, maybe based on – I think that data includes the first few years of those people being in the NBA, and they're not taking into account that the players he gets are all the first and second picks of the draft the last 10 years. No, this data is ESPN data ranking high school prospects. Mm, I, I don't know. I'm not. I'm, I, I don't know. I'm not buying it. Adams, Adams, did Coach K, if if he's about the seventh best recruiting class, did he reach out to you in high school? No, he knew that I was only looking at top top two or three recruiting classes only. Oh, not seven. It, you exactly. were. That's my point. You were a McDonald's something, weren't you, in high school? I was a McDonald's All-American nominee. Nominee. So there's about 100 nominees in America for they start out with. I think I made it to round two of cuts, round three. But I did get free McDonald's for a year. Oh, yeah. free McDonald's for a year, really? Did you, did you uh, eat a lot of McDonald's? Or did you take full advantage of that? No, I took full advantage i go there every morning. I'd get two or three meals. I'd bring them back to school. I'd take people from school, go get McDonald's. I mean, I what's slept. Your, what's your go-to lunch at McDonald's? I just bring my teachers McDonald's. <laughs> Did what's you just your, have to show them a card? Yeah. Are you a Big Mac guy? Yeah, I mean, I was a big McDonald's breakfast guy at that time. I was, like, always going for breakfast. I like the breakfast, too. McGriddle? Yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it I like the sausage egg McMuffin. Hmm. Okay, so this is now we say that he had great, great players and he gets great recruiting classes. And I would submit that he he coaches these players to be better in college than they ever turn out to be in the NBA. He produced three number one picks, Elton Brand, Kyrie Irving, and Zion Williamson. Tyrese turned out to be great. Elton Brand was a semi-star, and Zion Williams is eating his way out of the league. <laughs> Most well, look at like Jabari Parker was a two, not a one, but look, he turned out to be nothing too, and he was a high-level recruit. Right. So these are net. He's had seven National Player of the Years, and or actually eight looks like. But. Look at these. Look at this list. Christian Leitner. Everyone thought he was going to be the next Michael Jordan. They put him on the dream team for crying out loud. He hadn't even played an NBA game. Turned out to be like a two-time All-Star. Danny Ferry, National Player of the Year. Johnny Dawkins, Elton Brand, Shane Battier won National Player of the Year under the Coach K regime. Jason Williams. That's murderer Jason Williams, not white chocolate. J.J. Redick and Zion Williamson. I mean, these were the MVPs of all college basketball under Coach K, and none of them, I mean, we get like maybe what combined eight all-star appearances from that group. Yeah, but, I mean, that's, you could throw, I mean, the same could be said for Jimmer. Jimmer, hands down, best player in college basketball of the year. He's just simply not as good at the next level. 
Coach K had all these players that were very dominant in college, but then had to go up against the Shacks and the Elijah ones and the Jordans and the Barclays. They're not going to be as good. It's just fact of life. But yet in college, they're dominant. Yeah, you're taking one one situation and comparing it to all eight of these. I mean, this is like a trend I'm showing of Coach K. I mean, if you put better than they are. If you put Zion, Elton, Shane, White Chocolate. That's not White Chocolate. That's the murderer. No, not White Chocolate. Yep, the murderer. Allegedly. Do we even have proof of that, by the way? Um, it's pretty any any of these players on your team in college, you're a, you're a good ball club. So I, I don't I don't see the. I think what he's I think what he's trying to say here, if I understand correctly, is that Coach K coaches these guys up to exceed their expectations. I mean, you have we can all agree that Danny Ferry was not an all star. He won that award the year we were born. So so I'll say this about Coach K. He is good at pulling the wool over people's eyes. He's producing mediocre talent into the NBA, yet trying to pass it off like he's the greatest college coach of all time. When it's like, oh, I had all these great people in college. I don't know why they're any, not any good in the NBA. It's like, oh, maybe because you're only the 17th best coach in college and everyone else is producing better players than you, Coach K. So, so why so don't you and your dog leave? Is your, is your opinion then that he might be the 17th best, co- best coach, but he's the number one best fraud uh, individual? In college basketball? I, I think – I don't know that you could find a better word to describe Coach K than fraud. He got the most out of all these dudes. They, these guys were never better than when they were in college. That's my point. I mean, but you look at J.J., Shane, Elton, Danny. They all played – they had like 15-year NBA careers. J.J. Redick. Yeah, they were all role players. I mean, they, they, they stayed in the league. Yeah, they stayed in the league for 15 years, but they were the national player of the year. These guys should be. Elton Brand won rookie of the year. Christian Leitner was on the dream team. Danny Ferry, one of the greatest executives of all time. Immediately after the college season that he played at Duke. He hadn't even played an NBA game. Mm-hmm. He was the only college you know, player on the dream team. Yeah, You ask me, you give me any of these players, I'm winning 17 ranking games of college basketball. Still don't think you understand that stat. No, I understand the stat. And what I'm saying is if you give me Elton Brand, I'm winning my winning percentage and most wins is going to be higher than Coach Kate's. <laughs> okay. All right. So Team USA, for many podcasts, you you harped on Coach K for getting a bronze medal, which was turned out to be factually incorrect. And so this, this is just – this is an example of Coach K getting more out of his teams than anyone else could get with the same team. Okay, so Duke went 13-18 and 18 in the 1994-95 season. Okay, that was their – that was the most recent losing – that was the most recent losing season, 13-19. Coach K went nine and three before missing the remainder of the season with back surgery. So they only won four more games, lost 15. They went four and 15 after he got surgery. When he wasn't there, they went, um, they went 
What would that be? Nine and three. Well, he went nine and three when he was there. And how many did they lose when he was gone? They were obviously not a good team that year if they're still losing three of 12 games they, with him there. No, they lost, yeah, they lost three of 12. But then when he left, they then lost 15 of 19. Yeah, I would, I, I liken Coach K coaching NBA players to Becky Hammond trying to coach NBA players. There's no place for it. If my, this is Duke. What, with Duke. I'm aware. But what I'm saying is you're showing me an Olympic page here, and I'm not interested in a college coach coaching professional athletes. Well, he did a pretty dang good job. He went 88 and 1, where Greg Pop no. went 45 and 13, and Larry Brown went 25 and 3. See, and so again, you're giving too much credit to Coach K and not enough blame on Pop and Larry Brown. What has Pop done since Duncan, Ginobili, and Parker left? Larry Brown never did anything, period. Yes. He won a championship. Well, I, I'm impressed with how Josie could spin this. It's so black and white. That you're like, <laughs> no argument. But he finds an argument. How do you argue yeah. 88 1? You don't. You argue Pop's 45 and 13 instead. Pop, actually, Pop and Larry Brown are actually terrible coaches as well. I mean, I just, I, I'm not, I mean, explain that to me. Why is Pop not in the, why doesn't he go to the playoffs anymore? Three years in a row. Well, the game has passed him up. We can agree on that. But I think that in NBA circles, he would be considered a legend and one of the greats of all time. But yeah. You know, and so would Lenny Wilkins, but no one's bringing Lenny Wilkins back. Rest in peace, I think, actually. Is Lenny still with us? I do not remember Lenny Wilkins passing away, but like that—that that tells you everything you need to know about regular season wins. Like four years ago, Lenny Wilkins was number one. What? And he coached like the Raptors. Four years ago, or is he four or forty? No, no, no. Like recently, it might not be exactly four, but in the last, Lenny is like currently top three, and he was number one for a while. I want to say you're saying that he was number one until the last four years. Oh. And so, like, what does that tell you? Like, I mean, Steve Kerr's going to be up there. The guy misses every other half season for a back injury. And now, apparently, Coach K's missing time for back injuries. <laughs> How hard is it to coach <laughs> You got Dan Tony walking around on one leg after knee surgery coaching, and Steve Kerr and Coach K can't just sit on a padded chair and tell people what to do on a clipboard. It, it's, it's, Again, fraudulent. It's it's insulting. How do you go 88-1 in anything and not be considered amazing? Because when you have the literally the greatest players in the world on your team, you're playing – you got LeBron and you name it versus Tony Kukoc and who – uh, past his prime, Andre Karolinko. I'd like to know what year that LeBron matched up with Tony Kukoc in those Olympics. Like, I mean, you could put together the best foreign team, and you're having like, and I mean, you got the you got the Gasol brothers and Luca. Let's just let's pick the best foreigners you can think of. Put them on the same team right now. Why couldn't Why couldn't the other coaches do it though? Well, because the year poor Larry Brown was at the helm. Um, I think Stefan Marbury was on the team. Um, I think Vince Carter was like our best player that year. I I don't agree with your argument though. Just of I mean, you I you could put the best one players on the team right now. They 
you have a good shot of winning if not win it. No, I, I disagree. How, okay. No, they have a you shot know. at winning, and that's the problem with coaches is they if your starting lineup is LeBron, KD, Steph Curry, Kawhi Leonard, and you're losing games, that is a coaching problem, not a personnel problem. Look at that. And then he's fine. He gets right up. For a long time. Oh, my gosh. He's in the fetal. Look at that, Elders. He, Nick, oh, Nick, my gosh. For, for a long time, Justin, one of Justin's complaints is why, why Coach K is such a bad coach is because of how slow he falls. So I did the math. He doesn't even fall with grace. Look at this. I did the math here. So Coach K is five foot ten. That's one point seven seven eight meters. He's one hundred seventy six pounds or eighty kilograms. All right. Force of gravity. Gravity equals nine point eight meters per second squared. So I did the math with no resistance. It should have taken Coach K point six seconds to fall. <laughs> okay. It took him one point three to your point, Josie. It took him twice as long. But if you'll notice, he catches him. He tries to catch himself like the, the warrior he is on his knees. And he can't do it. He did not try to catch himself. Look, look at this. I like, how, I like how the statistics go towards Josie's point. But I just go through these statistics. Some people just want to believe them. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, because I did the math. From the time he got to his knees, from the time from his knees to his fall was right on line with the force of gravity. Elder, elder. It was about I, like, 0.3 seconds from the time he hits his knees to the time he hits the ground, which is I right mean, I've, where it should be. I've How seen people faint. True. How long did this take you? It took a while. You spent the whole work day on this? It was an easy. I mean, look at him. Just pause the video right there. He has literally got his legs at an angle. You might as well give the guy a blanket and put him to bed. He's a military man. He's not staying down. You can't keep a good man down. The best part, elders, is no one even cares. Look at all the shoes facing the other way. They don't have a clue. Coach K's gone down. He fell down so slow. Again, he fell down the appropriate speed from the time he tried to catch himself on his knees. Think about. It's well established at this point. Thanks for that. That was actually that was enlightening. Yeah, just just some other fast facts about Coach K. He founded the Emily Shashevsky Center, a nonprofit organization in Durham. Um, he's done a lot of charity work. Uh, he serves academically focused students in out of school programming designed to help them achieve in school, gain entry to college, and break the cycle of poverty in their families. Coach Kane and his wife, Mickey, have also been active in years fundraising and support for the Duke's Children's Hospital, Children's Miracle Network, the V Foundation for Cancer Research. In all of these, those entities, they have both served as chairs and or led major fundraising efforts. Uh, the Shashevskis have been major donors to Duke University and supporting a number of areas, including establishing scholarship endowments for students in North and South Carolina as well as a Duke student athlete every year. He also serves on the board of advisors for the Code of Support Foundation, a nonprofit military service organization. Um, he's won multiple humanitarian awards. He's in multiple Hall of Fames, both basketball and um, for his 
philanthropical work. Uh, it, the media named him, CNN named him the America's Best Coach Award in 2001. In 2011, Sports Illustrated named him the Sportsman of the Year. A distinction Tom Brady's had three separate times. Yeah, but he's a player. But well, don't hey, don't worry. Adams will be back with why Tom Brady's not the best PowerPoint next week. So yeah. just wait, Joe's. Yeah. Say that again. I said, don't worry about Tom Brady. We'll have a PowerPoint on why he's not the greatest next week. Say that again. We're going to discuss why Tom Brady's not the best quarterback of all time next week. What do you say? Yeah, I just want to end on this then with Coach K. Uh, I would be very curious to know how many of those things you just listed are not tax write-offs for Coach K. Easy to be involved in charities when you get free money to do it. Easy to start a foundation when you're not running the foundation. You understand how a write-off works, though? It's not like he gets free money. Right, to yeah, get- but people want him to be involved, so they're putting donations in his name that he's not actually making and then allowing him to write it off on his own taxes. He's, just, again, tax fraud. He's a fraudulent human being. Use <laughs> Coach Camp tax fraud. Oh my! Uh, I have I have no words. I have nothing left to say. Neither does Coach K. It's about time he retired. PowerPoint. That was well put together, Elder. I appreciated it. Does it move you on the? Are you are you moved at all, Josie? Oh, I hate him even more than I did before we started this. <laughs> Can we all agree that he fell at a, a normal scientific <laughs> speed, though? At least, yeah. That was, that was definitely the most impressive <laughs> slide you put together. Um, I am a little concerned about his weight. Uh, I, don't, I don't like that. <laughs> you think it's too light or too heavy? Be careful what you say here, because I'm 5'10 and a half. Yeah, but you look 5'10 and a half. Coach K looks like he's been sick for 30 years. Uh, probably has. And he's muscled through it. Elder, as we saw, there was no muscle on that fall. It was, he fell down and curled. At an appropriate speed. How would you fall? How would you fall down, Elder? I would fall straight backwards, no catching, no putting my hands out, timber straight back. Bam! Yep. I'd hit my head on the ground. I would go out with style. I'm not... Going down like a, like that is a coward's way to faint. Forward, to me that's like I'm I'm not resist. I mean I'm going after it. I'm charging ahead. I'm fainting forward. Elder, I want you to look at how did his feet get into the position they did when he hit the ground. Look at this. <laughs> how do you want his feet to be positioned? He's crazy. He's going to bed. He's taking a nap. It's halftime. <laughs> what, do you, what do you want, Elder? I gotta, Elder. I gotta, I gotta go get in the shower. It's getting late here. All right. Uh, hey, Adams. Thank you. That that, that, that was, was well done. I really do want well one done. of uh, Tom Brady next week. <laughs> Why is we can do that. We can explore that. Yeah, that, that'll be a good one. That'll be even easier for me to prove than this. So this is great. 
Josie, do you feel like you came came away uh, victorious in that uh, debate? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. You know, it's all I'm. I'll end with this: if I have a coach who's missing seasons, games, because for a sore back, I don't want to know them. I don't want to be coached by them. I don't want them on my bench. I don't want to even affiliate with them at all. It's a back surgery. It wasn't just put some icing on it. If Luke Walton can do what you can do, I'm not interested in you. Well, on that note, I think it's about time we wrap this up. I, I feel like this was a successful podcast. The last one really was not good. Um, but this one I feel like is going to get good reviews. I like that. I'm going to share this with my father tomorrow. He'll be listening to it at work, so I'll let you know what he thinks. Yeah, please do. Hey, don't forget to give us a five-star review. We have two of them. That's great. Who's the second one? I don't know. We're on a different day. Different account. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, hey, thank you, everyone. Um, until next time. Oh, I forgot. I want to thank our sponsors. Um, thank all those who support us. Um yeah, we, we do this for you guys. Thank you. We do not. We do not do this for you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Where four lifelong friends discuss sports for no Wrong sounder. I think that fits the podcast even better, playing the wrong sounder, Silver. I don't have the other one loaded. <laughs> <laughs> do you mind just kind of giving us a, an idea of what it says real quick? You've reached the podcast. podcast. You made it this far. Rethink your life decisions. We all know that. Yeah, thanks. Podcast. <laughs> all right, I'm gonna go get in the tub. Sure. I'm right behind you, Elder. Separate tubs and not courtside. So we'll go from there. Okay. All right. Till next time. We'll see you later. <laughs>